Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Man, this story. This story introduced me to horror before I started reading Stephen King, which I started reading right after the first time I heard this story. It was probably fifth or sixth grade, sure, sometime around Halloween, that one of my primary school teachers introduced me to Edgar Allan Poe. It was a some class assignment, supposed to be spooky, and she had us read the Telltale Heart. And I was like, holy shit. This is some dark and twisted shit. So to close out the spooktacular for 2019 for our Patreon Pod Pals Extra, I give you a dramatic reading of Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart. True. Nervous. Very, very dreadfully nervous. I had been and am. But why? Will you say that I'm mad? The disease had sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all, was the sense of hearing acute. I heard all things in the heaven and in the earth. I heard many things in hell. How am I mad? Hearken and observe how healthily, how calmly I can tell you the whole story. It is impossible to say how at first the idea entered my brain, but once conceived it haunted me day and night. Object, there was none. Passion, there was none. I loved the old man. He had never wronged me. He had never given me insult. For his gold, I had no desire. I think it was his eye. Yes, it was this. He had the eye of a vulture. A pale blue with film over it. Whenever it fell upon me, my blood ran cold, and so by degrees, very gradually, I made up my mind to take the life of the old man and rid myself of the eye forever. Now, this is the point. You fancy me mad. Madmen know nothing. But you should have seen me. You should have seen how wisely I proceeded with that caution with what foresight, with what dissimulation I went to work. I was never kinder to the old man than during the whole week before I killed him. And every night, about midnight, I turned the latch of his door and opened it, oh, so gently. And then, when I had made an opening sufficient for my heaven, I put a dark lantern, all closed, closed, that no light shone out, and then I thrust in my head. Oh, you would have laughed to see how cunningly I thrust it in. I moved it slowly, very, very slowly, so that I might not disturb the old man's sleep. It took me an hour to place my old head within the opening so far that I could see him as he lay upon his bed. <laughs> would a madman have been so wise as this? And then, when my head was well in the room, I undid the lantern cautiously oh so cautiously 
cautiously, for the hinges creaked. I undid it just so much that a single thin ray uh, fell upon the vulture eye. And I did this for seven long nights, every night, just after midnight. But I found the eye always closed, and so it was impossible to do the work for... It was not the old man who vexed me, but his evil eye. And every morning when the day broke, I went boldly into the chamber and spoke courageously to him, called him by his name in a hearty tone and inquiring how he had passed the night. So, you see, he would have been very profound, old man, indeed, to suspect that every night, just at twelve, I looked in upon him while he slept. Upon the eighth night... I was more than usually cautious in opening the door. A watch's minute hand moves more quickly than I did mine. Never before that night had I felt the extent of my power, of my sagacity. I could scarcely contain my feelings of triumph. To think there I was, opening the door, little by little, and he not even to dream of my secret deeds or thoughts. I fairly chuckled at the idea and perhaps he heard me, for he moved on the bed suddenly, as if startled. Now, you may think that I drew back, but no. His room was black as pitch with the thick darkness, for the shutters were closed in fashion through fear of robbers, and so I knew he could not see the opening of the door. And I kept pushing on it steadily, steadily. I had my head in and was about to open the lantern when my thumb slipped on the tin fastening, and the old man sprang up in bed and crying up, Who's there? I kept quiet, still, and said nothing. For a whole hour, I did not move a muscle, and in the meantime, I did not hear him lie down. He was still sitting up in bed, listening, just as I have done, night after night, Harkening to the death watches in the wall. Presently, I heard a slight groan, and I knew it was the groan of mortal terror. It was not a groan of pain or grief. Oh no! It was now, it was the low, stifled sound that arises from the bottom of the soul when overcharged with awe. I knew the sound well. Many a night, just as midnight, when all the world slept, it has welled up from my own bosom, deepening with its dreadful echo the terrors that distracted me. I say I knew it well. I knew what the old man felt, and I pitied him, although I chuckled at heart. I knew that he had been lying awake ever since the first slight noise when he had turned in the bed. His fears had been ever since growing upon him. He had been trying to fancy them causeless, but could not. He had been saying to himself, it is nothing but the wind in the chimney. Tis only a mouse crawling on the floor, or it's merely a cricket which has made a single chirp. Yes, he'd been trying to comfort himself with these suppositions, but he had found it all in vain. All in vain, because death, in approaching him, had stalked with his black shadow before him and enveloped the victim. And it was the mournful influence of an unperceived shadow that caused him to feel, although... He neither saw nor heard to feel the presence of my head within the room. When I had waited a long time, very patiently, without hearing him lie down, I resolved to open a little, a very, very little crevice in the lantern. So I opened it. 
You cannot imagine how stealthily, stealthily, until at length a simple dim array, like the thread of a spider, shot forth from out of the crevice and fell full upon the vulture eye. It was open, wide, wide open, and I grew furious as I gazed upon it. I saw it with perfect distinctness, all dull blue, with a hideous veil over it that chilled the very marrow of my bones. And I could see nothing else of the old man's face or person's, for I had directed the ray as if by instinct precisely upon the damned spot. And have I not told you that what you mistake for madness is but an over-acuteness of the sense? Now, I can say there came to my ears a dull, quick sound, such as a watch makes when enveloped in cotton. I knew that sound well, too. It was the beating of the old man's heart. It increased my fury as the beating of a drum stimulates a soldier to courage. But even yet I refrained and kept still. I scarcely breathed. I held the lantern motionless. I tried how steadily I could to maintain the ray on the eye. Meanwhile, the hellish tattoo of the heart increased. It grew quicker and quicker and louder and louder every instant. The old man's terror must have been extreme. It grew louder, I say louder, every moment. Do you mock me well? I have told you that I am nervous, so I am. And now at the dead hour of the night, amid the dreadful silence of that old house, so strange a noise as this excited me to uncontrollable terror. Yet for minutes longer I refrained and stood still, but the beating grew louder, louder, I thought that the heart must burst, and now every new anxiety seized me. The sound could be heard by a neighbor. The old man's hour had come. Uh, the loud yell, I threw open the lantern and leapt into the room. He shrieked once, only once. In an instant, I dragged him to the floor and pulled the heavy bed over him. Then I smiled gaily to find the deed so far done. But for many minutes, the heartbeat beat on with a muffled sound. This, however, did not vex me. It would not be heard through the wall. At length, it ceased. The old man was dead. I removed the bed and examined the corpse. Yes, he was stone, stone dead. I placed my hand upon the heart and held it there many minutes. There was no pulsation. He was stone dead, and his eye would trouble me no more. If you still think me mad, you will think so no longer when I describe the wise precautions I took for the concealment of the body. The night waned and I worked hastily but in silence. First of all, I dismembered the corpse. I cut up the arms, the legs, and then I took three planks from the flooring of the chamber. I deposited all between the scantlings. Then I replaced the board so cleverly, so cunningly, that no human eye, not even his, could have detected anything wrong. There was nothing to wash out, no stain of any kind, no blood spot, whatever. I had been too wary for that. A tub had caught all. <laughs> and when I had made the end of these labors, it was four o'clock. Still dark as midnight as the bell sounded the hour. There came a knocking at the street door, and I went down to open it with a light heart. For what had I out of fear? There entered three men who identified themselves as, with perfect suavity as officers of the police. A shriek had been heard by a neighbor during the night. Suspicion of power play had been aroused. Information had been lodged at the police office, and that they, the officers, had been deputed to search the premises. I smiled. For what had I had a fear? I bade the gentlemen welcome. 
The shriek, I said, was my own in a dream. The old man I mentioned was absent in the country, sir. I took my visitors all over the house. I bade them search, search well. I led them at length to his chamber. I showed them his treasures secure, undisturbed. In the enthusiasm of my confidence, I brought chairs into the room and desired them there to rest from their fatigues while I myself, with wild audacity of my perfect triumph, placed my own seat on the very spot upon which reposed the corpse of the victim. <laughs> the officers were satisfied. My manner had convinced them I was singularly at ease. They sat, and while I answered cheerily, they chatted of familiar things, but ere long, I felt myself getting pale and wished them gone. My head ached, and I fancied a ringing in my ears. But still they sat and chatted. The ringing became more distinct. It continued and became more distinct. I talked more freely to get rid of the feeling, but it continued and gained definiteness. Until at length, I found that the noise was not within my ears. No doubt I, I grew more pale, but I talked more fluently and with a heightened voice, yet the sound increased, and what could I do? It was a low, dull, quick sound, much such a sound as a watch makes when enveloped in cotton. I, I gasped for breath, and yet the officers heard it not. I talked more quickly, more vehemently, but the noise steadily increased. I arose and argued about trifles in a high key with violent gesticulations, but the noise steadily increased. Why would they not be gone? I paced the floor to and fro with heavy strides, and as if excited to fury by the observations of the men, but the noise, the noise steadily increased. Now, God, what could I do? I foamed, I raved, I swore, I swung the chair upon which I had been sitting and grated upon the boards, but the noise arose over all and continually it increased. It grew louder and louder, and still the men chatted and pleasantly smiled. Was it possible they heard it not? Almighty God, no! They heard, they suspected, they knew. They were making mockery of my horror at this thought. And this, I think, that anything was better than this agony. Anything more tolerable than this derision. I could bear those hypocritical smiles no longer, and I felt that I must scream or die. And now again, hark! Louder! 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 Villains, I shrieked. Dissemble no more. I admit the deed. Tear up the planks here. It is the beating of his hideous heart. That is it for the Spooktacular 2019. Exclusive content. For those of you cursed to give unto us some pittance of money, and hear the words of fear that we give to you. So thank you, fellow travelers of the damned rivers of the underworld. And we'll see you again next year. <laughs> no, seriously, next year is going to be fucking terrifying. It's election year. I, I don't even want to think about it. I would rather, you know, be chopped up and buried under some floorboards. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.